Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 20th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals today with Royals General Manager J.J. Piccolo. He joined our Sportsbeat Live broadcast about 15 minutes in and spent time answering questions from beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Vahe Gregorian. We discuss the disappointment of this season, J.J.'s first as the general manager. We looked at pitching development. It's been a tough year for starters, not named Brady Singer or Zach Greinke. We talked about the lineup and if the Royals have the right pieces in place going forward and much more. Okay, let's get started. Hey, good morning from unseasonably warm Kansas City and welcome to Sportsbeat Live presented by the University of Kansas Health System. You'll hear from KU Med later in the show. We're joined today at the moment by beat writer Lindworthy and columnist Vahe Gregorian. We're here, of course, to talk Kansas City Royals baseball. Uh, we believe columnist Sam McDowell will be with us later on. And we are um, going to have a guest today, and it's going to be fun. We're going to have Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo join us at about 10.15. He was kind enough to agree to take questions from uh, from Vahe, Lynn, Sam, and myself, and we really look forward to having them on the show. That's a pretty good deal, guys, isn't it? Yeah, as far as Sam not being here, I just want to say, you know, our team is on the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, are you going to put the question to JJ that way too, Lynn? That's uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice though to have him on, and and uh, you, you know, we're we're I think um. Fortunately, Lynn, you can speak to this better than I can in, in the JJ regime, but uh, we're fortunate to be able to have access to uh, to Royals front office for things like this. And it's it's not, I think, altogether common uh, in, in a general way, but specifically for things like this. So really great this can happen. For sure. Um, and and uh, I think that's a good point, Vahe. I don't know if every, every market would would uh, would have a situation quite like this. Um, one thing, uh, there, there is some Royals business I want to talk about before JJ here. JJ joins us, uh, but I, I do want to say, listen, um, he's he'll he's going to answer our questions, but he he said he would answer your questions as well. So please send us some questions and comments. I think now is a good time to to get them in, line them up, and we'll um, and we'll have JJ field some of those questions and comments. So fire away and maybe not the best term. Let's uh, go ahead and ask um, <laughs> those questions and, and present some comments and and, uh, um, and and maybe we'll get JJ to answer a, a couple of them. But again, there is some Royals business. Uh, Lynn, I thought you had a really good story uh, this week on Brad Keller. We, we haven't talked much about Brad, the pitcher who has gone from an opening day starter to the bullpen and his numbers recently have been very good. What didn't start out that way for, for Brad Keller, but lately he's been pretty effective in the bullpen. Yeah, his last few outings, um, I think actually the last three or four, it, you've seen that the real difference between the ERA. And when you're talking about relief outings, it's all small sample size because it's an inning here, two innings there. But um, you see a slight difference in terms of the strikeouts, like he's just averaging about a strikeout per inning now on the bullpen. Um, you see just, you know, uh, I remember what the number was in the last four. It's, 
you know, he hasn't given up a whole lot of uh, base runners compared to the first, uh, I think, five times out of the uh, bullpen because he's got nine relief outings now. So um, batting average has gone down against him as well. So you see a little bit of a difference there. And um, talking to him just during the last homestand, uh, he talked about getting used to just the routine, being down there. Um, he's starting to use the splitter a little bit more, which was a pitch that he's sort of, you know, toyed with when he was a starter has come back around to. They think it's going to help try to get some swing and miss because as a reliever, you're going to come into situations where it might be men on base and it's going to be a tight score. And it's not necessarily going to be a, you know, start, starter type situation where you have time to work around things or, you know, time to make up for things. Like if you're coming in high leverage, you need to hold everything where it is right at that moment. And so strikeouts become more important. And that hasn't really been his MO, but um, you've seen a little bit more of that too. How is he, um, you know, just, just kind of taking the idea of going from, from rotation to bullpen and Lynn and then Vahe, I wanted to get with your thoughts on how well that's worked for the in the past for the Royals. I would say, I think it was, definitely jarring at first. I mean, if you go back to when they made that announcement, I believe we were in Tampa um, or maybe we were in Minnesota. And then he spoke to us a day later in Tampa and he said he didn't see it coming. I think he was pretty straightforward about that. I think now a few weeks into it, um, still think he, his heart would be, you know, in starting, but I think he's, he's sort of, you know, he's trying to get, as accustomed to the new situation as he can and try to make the most of it. You know, Blair, along those lines, I mean, there's, there's a few examples, right. But, but nothing more striking than uh, let's, let's go with Wade Davis. Although Luke, Luke Kochaver was a, a good example. Right. But, but Wade Davis, I, I haven't looked this up. I don't know if he was about the same age Brad is now when, when, when that move happened with him, but, it's it's easy because of what he became. It's easy to forget. Um, there was a period of time where it was like, well, that part of the trade didn't work out. Um, it you know it 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 didn't work out for him in the rotation. And I I don't know if the if the Royals tend to think that way more because of a couple of these past successes and to conversion rates. Um, but I, I I assume that that's that informs their thinking to some degree that. And the specifics of it are, I mean, unique to Brad and unique to each situation. But, but I do wonder how much that's that's part of their hope um, that they see they see something very, um, very different about what he might, you know, kind of the code he can maybe crack in in this role. And Lynn, you know, you've written about that, and and I, I think there's there's more to be determined because because it is such a small sample size so far. And, I, one quick question, though, for you, back at you, Lynn. Do you feel like the decision is made that this is what they're going to be working with on Brad for for the foreseeable future? I mean, not just through the end of the season. I mean, it, it, is that how they'll script him uh, going forward? I'm not sure that that decision has been entirely made. Um, the way it sounded, at least um, at the time and even just subsequently, is that this period, they wanted to see what it looked like, you know, more of a um, get a look at it, start to make some evaluations and then go from there. And I think, I mean, my, my sense would be that depending on what's available and what options they have this off season for the whole staff, 
may decide what role he plays. But um, my sense wasn't so much that it was set in stone, but that it was, you know, something they wanted to take a look at. And they thought, I think, I think they're definitely going to give it a shot. And I don't know if it's saying too much to say they're going to give it every shot, but I think it's um, something they wanted to at least get a good look at. And, and also just in the small sample too, I think it's, to me, it's also not, not to say they haven't committed to it, but it's not like, you know, where you have certain relievers like uh, Barlow, Stalmont, you know, they, where they e-mark, or e- I should say earmark certain parts of the lineup and say, okay, this is where we're going to use this guy. He's still sort of in this role where, you know, he's sort of bridging the gap to their main bullpen guys. So that's another reason that I think that it's still a little bit, you know, nebulous as far as if this is going to be, you know, the way going forward or if they could still sort of go backwards on it. Um, but I think they definitely – they. Clearly, they made the decision when they didn't have to that they wanted to see it late this season. So um, that makes you think that they want to give this a shot. Yeah, that makes it in that way different than what Wade Davis, how he was used in, in 14 and 15. Remember, he was the eighth inning guy, uh, the setup guy for, for Greg Holland in 14. And after Holland was injured in 15, Davis became the, the closer and um, – or at least part of his role, you know, he, he 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 did close games, and he certainly was that guy in, in the World Series. And I, I maintain, and I've said it before, on in, in those two years, there was no better pitcher on the planet than than Wade Davis. His his fourteen and fifteen seasons were just you know otherworldly. When you, you look at the numbers, they were just amazing, and it's kind of a high bar uh, that the Royals set with that with that move. And the, the, those around him, except for Luke Shaver, correct me if I'm wrong, Vahe, but everybody else was a relief pitcher right, in those years. Uh, uh, yeah, Lally, I mean, Herrera, um, the, the others who, who you know, seventh and sixth inning guys. Yeah, that that's right. And as far as I know, I mean, I, I'm 99% sure Holland was relief, you know, from the minute he joined the Royals organization. I can't quite remember if Kelvin was uh, a little bit in the low, in the low minors, uh, you know that they gave him a starting shot, but I, but but certainly his whole major league time was was all about that. Right, right. Okay, hey, uh, let's uh, let's switch gears. The other kind of other piece of news that has come off field news for the Royals um, in the last few days was their naming their minor league players of the year uh, for AAA and AA. Um, I've got them here. Let me uh, I'll read them out, then I'll ask Lynn if there are any kind of surprises here, but. Uh, the AAA uh, Omaha Players of the Year were outfielder uh, Brewer Hicklin, and, the, and the, the pitcher was Andres Nunez, relief, the right-handed relief pitcher. In AA from at Northwest Arkansas, the outfielder or the Player of the Year was outfielder Tyler Gentry, and the left-handed pitcher uh, starter Drew Parrish was the pitcher of the year. Um, uh, of course, I think the Royals previously had named their their lower uh, minor league players and pitchers of the year. Am I right about that, Lynn? And and were there any any surprises uh, among these choices? I don't think there was um, a surprise based on performance. I mean, when you look at what Brewer Hicklin, Brewer Hicklin had a, you know, a 2020-20 season in terms of, you know, home runs, doubles, stolen bases, which is, you know, the type of thing that uh, I think, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, five guys have done in the for the Royals, uh, two of them being Alex Gordon and Bobby Witt Jr., um, so, I mean, he's production wise, he obviously has earned it. Um, 
I think if you were to say, okay, prospect wise, you know, would there be some other guys? Um, but also a lot of those guys spent a good chunk of time in the majors. So, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the season, if you look at the AAA roster, you're probably pointing to um, Vinny Pasquantino, Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, but all those guys are in the big leagues now. Uh, and then, you know, whether that you, you look go even further down to a guy like uh, Nate Eaton and, um, you know, it's, it's funny because you almost want to say somebody like Michael Massey, but Michael Massey started the season at double A and is now in the big league. So he, he had some time at triple A and performed well. But um, so I think as far as a guy who's there all season and performed all season, um, Hicklin, uh, like I say, isn't a surprise, but I think it's probably just a name that people might not have been as familiar with, except for the fact that he um, did come up this year when they had their little um, COVID uh, uh, outburst there and they had to fill in some roster spots. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I remember him on the on the major league roster with the um, uh, when you played in the Toronto series. And was, what is that? If I got that right, was it the Toronto series? Well, he he came up previously. Um, I want to say it was in Minnesota. Um, they had a period earlier in the season where I'm trying to remember who the players were, but I think Michael A. Taylor missed some time. And then after that, they had about three or four other guys, um, a couple guys in the bullpen. Um, and so they had guys that they put, they brought up to the majors that weren't on the 40 man roster. So that's where you saw, uh, Dyron Blanco came up, you know, for a period earlier in the season, but then he was also, um, there later in the season in Toronto. I can't even remember for sure. I think he was on the roster. There's a lot of guys who were actually in Toronto that weren't on the roster, but they were there for the first time too. Very good. Okay. Hey, let's let's go to break. We'll hear from the University of Kansas Health System. And when we come back, Royals General Manager J.J. Piccolo will join us. March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. There is J.J. Piccolo. J.J., uh, thank you very much for joining us on Sportsbeat Live. You're on with Vahe Gregorian and Lynn Worthy. How you doing today? Doing well, guys. How are you? Good, J.J. Good, Good. to see you. Good morning. Good morning, Lynn. Yeah, J.J., I thought I'd get it started. Um, I, I just, you know, the, the Royals start a homestand tonight, right? The last homestand of the season, six games. Uh, it gets Twins, Mariners, and then finish the season on the road, three in Detroit, and crazy six at, uh, at, at Cleveland. This is your first year as general manager. You're, you're approaching your, your one year anniversary, I believe it was in September of 
of last year. Oh, you passed your one-year anniversary, um, if I got the date right. And I just wanted to get a sense from you um, about your experience on the job. And listen, I, I, the, the, the team was 74 and 88 last year. I was thinking there would be an improvement in the final record this year. Not going to happen officially, not going to happen with the last loss. So I just want to just get your thoughts on where the team is right now, kind of relative to, to expectations. And I think we'll, we'll drill down on specifics uh, in a moment. Yeah, no, it, it's been a very trying year to, to say the least. Um, our expectations were higher than the way we're performing right now. Um, I think our roster looks drastically different than it did earlier in the year. And probably a, a lot of guys in the major leagues that we really didn't expect to get as many at bats or innings pitched as they did this year. So there's some positives there, but, but overall it, it, we got off to a tough start. Uh, we weren't swinging the bats. Well, um, we weren't pitching well. Then we started to make some changes offensively. Uh, we had our, our first tough decision of the year when we changed our hitting coach. Uh, that was a different experience for me. So when I reflect on the year and what I've learned from this year, or maybe experience that I haven't, experience in the past. That certainly was a big one. Um, and then, you know, we, we started to, to trickle in a lot of young hitters uh, that were uh, playing alongside of a lot of our young pitchers. Um, so, you know, when it was all said and done, it, it, it has been a tough year. Uh, we can draw some positives from it. Um, but, you know, again, it, it was a, uh, I'd be lying if I said we're where we expected to be at this point. And uh, we got to keep working hard, keep our head down and look, look to ways to improve this team next year. JJ, I want to uh, touch base on um, pitching development, which I know is always a focus, not just of you all, but it seems like of every organization in, in Major League Baseball. Um, and I was thinking back to, I think February, we spoke about pitching development. Um, you talked about the pandemic pandemic year, stunning some of the development and, and also being so health conscious last year um, that maybe some of the improvements that were made were hard to see. Um, pitchers having a better idea of themselves and their stuff, how to attack hitters, but it didn't necessarily show up. This season, um, with some of the upper level affiliates and, and collectively pitching wise, um, where do you feel like you guys are at? How, how do you assess things? And I know obviously, um, you know, you guys have at least decided to make one change because Jason Simontachi came out and posted on social media. Where are you guys at with the assessment of the pitching development right now? Yeah, I think, you know, starting with the major league team, uh, get, we're, we're running three to four starters uh, through the rotation in any five-day span. So with that, you know, it's difficult to string a lot of wins together uh, just because we are somewhat in, inexperienced at the major league level. But when – when I evaluate and try to objectively evaluate uh, where we're at, I'm looking at 2018 until tw until now, you know, through the 22 season. And what I see what our pitchers are doing at the major league level, uh, it compares very favorably to the rest of the industry. And I know that's you know not a popular thing to say right now, but if you really dig down into the numbers, uh, we it's because we have five guys out of that 18 draft that are pitching on a regular basis in the major leagues where there are a lot of teams uh, right now that don't have five guys in the major leagues pitching. So that's a challenge in, in, in and of itself. Um, you know, in the minor leagues, when I look at the progress we made from 2018, there was a drastic improvement in 2019. There was a drastic improvement in 2021. 
this year has been a tough year in the minor leagues and we're having meetings constantly to try to figure out why did we get off track this year. Paul Gibson's our director of pitching, senior director of pitching. I think he's done an outstanding job, uh, has a great understanding of people. He's got a great understanding of delivery. He's got a great understanding of, of data and technology and how to implement it. Um, Paul's not at every affiliate every day. So a lot of it falls on our pitching coaches in the minor leagues to try to solve problems. Um, so we're evaluating that. We're trying to figure out why we trended the other way this year. Uh, but if you go back and look at the organizational gains in 19 and 21, it was pretty drastic from 16, 17, 18. So again, objectively trying to, you know, come to some conclusions on where do we need to improve? What do we need to add uh, to our organization from a, whether it's an intelligence standpoint, whether it's technology standpoint, personnel standpoint, what do we need to do? Uh, there are all the discussions we're having now to end the season, but um, I think what we were able to do with development is the reason why we were confident in moving guys through to the major leagues and why we have so many guys in the major leagues in a short period of time. Do you, um, and I know obviously, like you said, these discussions are ongoing, but are there any things that you guys have sort of jumped out at you or that you, you guys really feel like, you know, is evident even as you guys are having these discussions that you know you need to address going into the, this offseason? Yeah. It's going to sound pretty basic, but why why we're not throwing strikes on a consistent basis is the one that's uh, is eat, eating at me. You know, that, that's, you know, strike one and, and why we're walking guys. And, you know, there we have some um, reason to believe that some of our processes that we implemented and got a little bit heavy-handed with, uh, mainly the game planning uh, perspective that we, we emphasize more than I think we probably should at the lower levels probably has hindered us. So we may back off of that and try to keep it more basic. Um, you know, as we continue to develop as a staff, the idea of pitch design, tunneling, uh, we have guys in our system now that were not here four and five years ago. Uh, we've changed job descriptions for a few guys. Mitch Stetters, our our minor league strategist um, who does a lot of work with Edgertronic cameras, uh, kind of digs through the data along with Brandon Nelson, who's in our R&D department uh, to try to come up with solutions on different pitches that may work. Uh, so we'll continue to expand those efforts. Uh, but to answer your question, the one that, the one that is as old as the game <laughs> is throwing strikes. And that, that's where we really have to see improvement next year. JJ, you were talking about uh... – basically all the rookies and how it sort of started with the trickle and you kind of ended up flooding the zone with, with that among your position players. And I wonder to what degree you feel like you, you, you've turned a certain corner in understanding what your core is going to be on the field um, over the next couple of years. And if you've, what level of faith you have that you've kind of got more than just the nucleus, but really the, the, the framework. Yeah, it, it's a pretty deep group. Um, you know, we like to, you know, or I shouldn't say we, but you know, this group's compared to the group back in 2012 and 13. Uh, I think we're a little bit more dynamic uh, and maybe a little bit more athletic overall. Uh, when I talk about just the core that came through our, our, our system, you know, we added Kane and Escobar at that time and they, they were pretty dynamic, but they didn't come through our system. Uh, when you look at MJ and Prado and Vinny, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, Nate Eaton, I mean, Kyle Isbell. There's a lot of athleticism. Drew Waters, who we picked up, 
there's a lot of athleticism uh, on the field. I think we can score in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, we've talked about this over the years. It's not a ballpark where, you know, we're drafting players hoping to hit the ball out of the ballpark. We want the game in action. And when I watch our games and we're stealing bases and going first to third and scoring on a ball in the gap, that's that's the way we like to play baseball. And this group's certainly capable. I think certain guys have, have established themselves pretty well. Needless to say, Bobby Wood Jr. has been outstanding all year long, very consistent, um, really happy with his offensive play. Uh, we've got some work to do with him defensively. Uh, he's certainly athletic enough. There's things that I think – we can do with him and he's going to do on his own that allow him to become a well above average defensive player. Um, MJ Melendez has been outstanding. It's a different look for us having that type of hitter and leadoff spot, but we've really liked that. Uh, and MJ's athletic. He can steal a base. It's not, he's not Ricky Henderson, but you know, if you, you go to sleep on him, he'll take the bag. Um, Drew Waters been a great look at him. Vinny's been really consistent. I think the best thing about Vinny, uh, is when he was hitting the ball hard and not getting the results that you you would think he would have gotten, he didn't get out of his approach. And that's a very mature thing to do for a young player. So I was, we were all very happy to, to see him do that. Nick Prado, I think, did a nice job. I know we just optioned him down, but that was a chance to get Oliveros up and get some at-bats for Oliveros. So I don't mean to be too long-winded, but I, I do think pieces are in place uh, that, that will allow us to be a, a solid offensive club. And I'm glad you mentioned Nick Prado because one of the questions that I'm sure our audience has is obviously you don't do this lightly. You're trying to maximize his his development. Um, and yet if you see him as part of the, the core, uh, can you just speak to how how this has come to be and why why you guys made the evaluation that it was it as simple as more at bats for Oliveris or was it something that you thought Nick could benefit from? It was already starting to not fit like it first did. Uh, we were playing Nick Prado in the outfield a lot, uh, but that was when Salvi was down and MJ was catching a lot. So when Salvi comes back, now MJ's playing left field, so there's less at-bats for Nick. At the same time, Vinny got hurt, so now there are a lot of at-bats for Nick at first base. So now we have Drew Waters up, uh, who I think has done a very admirable, admirable job uh, playing the outfield. You know, we wanted to get him at bats, and now Oliveris comes off to 60-day, and Ali was one of our best, better players early in the year, so we needed to get him up. So we, we could have gone a different route, and Nick would have been not playing. He'd be playing even less than he was, but then looking at where he is in his career, is that the best thing for Nick Prado? It's not an indication of uh, what we believe in or how we believe in Nick Prado. That's not it at all. It's really worth the end of the season. He's got a chance to go down and get another 50, 60 at-bats possibly before the end of the AAA season. That's the best thing for his development and the best thing for the Royals moving forward. It doesn't change the competition that he'll be involved with in spring training next year. Yeah, he did a nice job for us. He's a young major league hitter that hopefully has learned a lot about the major leagues in the time that he did have up this year. Nope. Blair, did you have one? Yeah, well, I just wanted to, you know, one, one of the success stories of the season is Brady Singer, and I'm wondering if there's a Brady Singer lesson that can be applied uh, here uh, as the, you know, as, as you look to the rotation for next year and beyond. Yeah, well, it, it can, it can, it's certainly an indication of how quickly things can turn for a pitcher once they figure something out. Uh, in this case, when Brady came into spring training, he wasn't uh, commanding the ball the way he's capable of commanding the ball. Uh, we had other guys that were 
pitching better than he was at that time. Uh, so we made the choice to start the year off in the bullpen. We also uh, had a, a feeling that it was going to end up our starters weren't going to go deep into games early on. And we were going to utilize this almost like a tandem system. Starter goes four, next guy goes four, and Brady was going to be part of that. We were getting decent starts uh, out of our starters, deeper starts than we anticipated early on. So that opportunity never came. Uh, what, what I take out of this uh, with Brady and hopefully – Others do as well. You know, Brady was on a mission to get his fastball movement back, to correct something, to get his command back. Uh, usually when he's commanding fastball, slider is really good as well. Uh, and then also to throw a third pitch uh, in the changeup, which he did commit to that when he went back to the minor leagues. Uh, but what you know, I took away from that was you gave Brady Singer a task. Uh, he went and, and he attacked it. He perfected it. And he's had he turned it into a really good season, and hopefully that's a um, an indication for others that you're you're a small adjustment away from really turning the corner. It's just a matter of figuring out what what that adjustment is. JJ, I got um, two, one short one, and then one I think is going to be a little bit of a, a bigger picture. Um, just because we actually were talking about before you came on with Brad Keller and the move to the bullpen, um, how? permanent or how um, I guess committed are you guys at this point to that going forward? Yeah, I wouldn't say we're committed to it. You know, it was something we wanted to see, uh, wanted to see if he would excel in that role. And maybe we had uh, another person at the back end of our bullpen. Uh, you know, Lynn, you weren't here at the time, but Blair and Bahe were, you know, when we moved, uh, whether it's Luke Hochever to the pen, whether it's Wade Davis to the pen, some guys just excel in that role, and we wanted to see if that was going to be the case with Brad. He's shown some signs of being able to do some special things back there, um, but he, he hasn't really shown us that he's going to you know, be a closer at this point. Um, so as we get into our offseason discussions, um, you know, there will be discussion about whether or not he's in our rotation, you know, because what we need to do is communicate effectively to Brad how he needs to train this offseason. So in – in our closing meetings in these next, you know, really two weeks, uh, that'll be communicated to, to Brad. And, you know, it's not that a decision's being made, but it's giving him clarity on how he'll uh, need to prepare for spring training and what type of role he'll be competing for. And then I guess that, that leads into the last question I had, which just was, um, I guess this is, I was thinking more towards the, the pitching staff, but I guess it really goes for the whole entire roster. You guys have taken a lot of looks at some guys in, whether it's bullpen roles or some of these young pitchers, guys like Castillo, bringing up different guys and taking a look at them at this last stretch of the season. Done the same thing with some of the young position players. How does this factor, or how much, I guess, does that going to factor into what you guys do this offseason? Um, how aggressive do you feel like you guys will be as far as adding to this rocks roster? Um, and just, um, I guess... What sort of decisions do you feel like, or I guess our decisions being made off of these last couple of months and what you've seen from these young guys as you guys have sort of turned over the major league roster? Yeah, I think what it's given us is some clarity on on how prepared players may be to compete at a high level at the major leagues. And, you know, when we look at how we're going to have to compete better next year, uh, you know, whether or not we need to add a starting pitcher. Zach Greinke's a free agent, so I think we clearly have a – a hole there that we need to fill. We might need to sign two starting pitchers. Uh, when we look at the the back end of our bullpen, I think we do have guys that can pitch in the middle. 
Um, some of the guys that we, we you just mentioned, Max Castillo, I think he's done a phenomenal job in the couple looks that he's gotten. Uh, he probably can pitch in the middle. Uh, if if our rotation was deeper, you know, somebody like a John Heasley can go into the bullpen. You know, you guys have been around us long enough. We want to continue to develop guys as starters. Uh, that's the, the main goal because the more starters that we can develop, uh, the the more we can stretch our finances. You know, we could add in other ways. Um, but we do have some guys that can fit in the middle, but we need some guys that can take some pressure off of Scott Barlow. Uh, Dylan Coleman has taken a nice step forward this year. You know, consistency with a lot of uh, the, the players we have on on the team, whether it be pitchers or position players, consistency is is the key to being a successful major league pitcher. So we've seen all of our guys at some point show us flashes of being really good at what they do, uh, but the consistency is going to be the key part. So whether it's a Dylan Coleman um, you know, we had Taylor Clark, who I thought was pitching really well until he unfortunately got hurt. But he seems to be a guy that we can lean on that has a good feel for the strike zone. Um, so being able to maybe add to uh, our bullpen to allow Scott Barlow uh, to be even more successful. You know, Scott's used in a lot of different ways because he's he's closing games. He's coming in the eighth at times for us. That can be really taxing on a pitcher. But until guys command the ball really well and are consistent down there, you know, it, the pressure is still going to be on Scott. So we've got to focus on that as well this offseason. Okay, J.J., you've been very generous with your time, and, and we so appreciate it. Uh, J.J. Piccolo, his first year as the Royals general manager. That's going to do it for Sports Beat Live. wanted to thank Lynn, Lynn Worthy, Vahe Gregorian, and J.J. Piccolo for joining us. We'll be back next week, next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Please join us then. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian and Lynn Worthy for sharing their insights and inquisitive natures. And, of course, to Royals General Manager J.J. Piccolo for sharing his time with us. Morning Sports Edition was 47 pages today, and my favorite part of it was the coverage of golf's President's Cup, six pages worth. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.